So what if you're single? You're never alone in the single soul circle. Join us as we hear from singles who will inspire you and help you face the unique challenges and opportunities of the single life. I'm your host, Heidi Fry. I'm excited to have Diane Wiska join us in the circle today. I had the opportunity to meet Diane through the podcast fellowship, which was a program through Seth Godin. And Diane has a podcast called Stories from Women Who Walk. And she was also a guest on our special Valentine's Day episode, where she talked about her pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago Trail. And when I heard that, I wanted to hear more. And my listeners wanted to hear more. So I'm so excited that Diane has agreed to come today and talk more about that. And before we get started, I wanted to share something I saw on her website. And I just thought it sounded so poetic. Said, Walking is like a story. Never underestimate the power of walking to reveal the world around us and within us. It's like magic. On a walk, we can pause, breathe deep, look around, listen, and feel restored. And I don't know about you, but I could use some magic right now in my life, and I I need to feel restored. So I'm so excited that Diane's here today to talk more with us. So thanks for being here, Diane. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, and, and thanks for trusting that I've got something to say to your listeners. And, and thank you for bringing to life those words. They always sound much better when they're spoken. Thank you. So let's start out with a story. Can you share more about your solo pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago Trail? Uh, how much time have you got? So we'll keep going. <laughs> uh, it, of all the things that I've ever done in my whole entire life, it is the single most defining series of weeks I go back to it again and again and again. And I can tell you that not a day goes by that I don't remember that entire, that entire journey. It was magical in a lot of ways. It was heartbreaking in a lot of ways. It was painful in a lot of ways. But if I died tomorrow, I would be just tickled to death that I had the opportunity to make that walk. So great. So how did you decide to do it by yourself? That's actually two questions. I don't think I really decided to do it. I think I was called to do it. So I had seen the movie, The Way, with Martin Sheen and his son Emilio Estevez. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, maybe someday I'd like to do that. And then the next thing I knew, there were books appearing on walking. And I had walked a portion of the Appalachian Trail. But these were books from all over about walking. And I just thought, okay, somebody's trying to hit me upside the head. So I decided that I would do it. And I think this was happening in the early part of the year that I was getting these messages that I was beginning to pay attention to. And the biggest hurdle was figuring out who was going to live in my house because at the time I had three kitties, so I couldn't put them up anywhere. I really needed a house sitter. And as I was getting closer and closer to when I thought I was going to leave, which would have been in the middle of September, and I hadn't yet gotten my plane, my plane ticket, um, someone said yes, they could come and sit, and then they backed out. So I'm getting my gear together, fully intending that I'm going to go and having no idea 
how I'm going to go. And then a friend had a friend who happened to be able to step in. She was on a house sitting that got canceled. And so at the last, I mean, virtually the last minute, I was scrambling to get um, a flight to Madrid and and back again. Fortunately, I had gotten together uh, most of the gear that I needed. And it was really just a matter of starting to put little things into place, like getting a train ticket or um, setting up where I was going to stay that first night in Pamplona. Um, As far as deciding to go alone, I don't think there was ever any alternative. I've done a lot of things alone. When I graduated from college, I backpacked Europe alone. And I've done Outward Bound um, alone. And so it was never really a decision that I was going to do it with someone else. It just was something that I was going to do. And when you walk the Camino de Santiago, you can be as alone or in company as you want. And so when I went, yes, I went a story solo, you know, I was a peregrina, but you can, you meet people in the albergues, which are like the dorms or the hostels that you stay in. You'll meet people along the Camino itself or in the various cafes. So you can walk with people or you can walk all by yourself, but to go alone it's not an issue. There are um, people of all ages. I met a woman who was in her 80s who was walking with her son. Uh, there's teenagers. There's all sorts of people that are walking. But to walk the Camino de Santiago alone, it's a gift. It's, it is, it's just a real, it's a, it's a privilege of a pilgrimage. So great. Thanks for sharing. And could you talk more about how that experience changed your life? It changed it in countless ways. I had been through a lot of things myself. My used-to-be husband had an affair and left. Uh, My mom's cancer was misdiagnosed, and and she died far too early. Uh, Jobs were lost. You know, the things that we go through as our lives walk us, and we're walking our lives. And I thought that I had prepared myself for doing this, and nothing prepares you nothing prepares you for walking the Camino. You can read the books, you can look at what you're supposed to pack, but the actual act of putting one foot in front of the other every day and knowing that you're going to walk 500 miles across Spain, you can't prepare for that. In the beginning, you're all out of sync. Your body is out of sync with your mind. It's out of sync with your spirit. It's just all out of sync because you've never done anything like this before. And as you begin to walk, things fall into place better. You become in harmony with yourself. You recognize that all that matters is that you get up in the morning at the crack of dawn and you figure out where your stuff is in the dark and you get some breakfast or you get a coffee And you go out, usually in the dark, and you begin to walk. And just that act alone changes who you are in America or in wherever your life is. Because you become very focused on what's important. And what's important is seeing what's around you. It's paying attention to your body. It's remembering to stop every couple of hours and take off your boots and air out your socks so that you take good care of your feet. Your life becomes concentrated 
in a most beautiful way because you have to pay attention to the weather, to where you are. Uh, the Camino is fairly well marked with yellow arrows, but sometimes the locals like to change things around or you might not be paying attention to the Camino itself because you're looking at the Roman road or some field that you're going through and you get lost. It happened to me. I got completely turned around. So what it changed was the idea that one always had to go, 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 do, 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 be, that you could actually slow down time and be very present in what you were doing. It reinforced my confidence in myself. It showed me how what I thought were big problems were just minor inconveniences. I figured out how to do things that I didn't think I could. There were some mornings that I got up and it was close to freezing. I didn't have that kind of gear. I mean, I, and I would put on everything that I owned and I would sit by the front door of the albergue and think, I can't do this. I, I can't. I, I can't. And yet there's, you have no choice because they'll, they kick you out at 7, 7.30 in the morning, you know, to get ready for the new crowd of pilgrims that'll be coming in the afternoon. So you, you can't hide in your bed. You just have to go. And I think that the notion of doing that. I have no way backward. I can only go forward. And also to rely on people. There were so many people that I met and you'd meet them at the end of the day and have a vino tinto or you'd share a meal. You'd share your uh, blister kits, you know, on the, on the way with each other. There's a, a huge reliance on other people. And for someone that thinks that they're very independent and in control, like I thought I was, you realize that you're not. And, and so many people that I met people from 29 different countries, we might not have spoken the same language and yet we were able to communicate. So it showed me that I'm not as big as I think I am. I'm a lot smaller than I really think I am but not in a bad way, more in part of the human story way. And then bringing back the message of the Camino or what the Camino meant, that the Camino doesn't end when you get to Santiago or to Finisterre or to Amushia, wherever you're going to finally you know, end your pilgrimage. You bring that back with you. And I think that's the part that never leaves, that Camino spirit. That's so great. And I can totally relate to you on that whole independent thing. It's sometimes when you are such an independent person, it is hard to ask for help. And what a lesson that is in accepting that help and, and building that community. So it's like you're really not alone. No, no, you're, you are not at all. You are as alone as you let yourself be. And once you allow yourself to fall into the magic of the Camino, into the harmony of the Camino, people in Spain are just marvelous, just marvelous. And if you allow yourself to be part of the local world and you learn a little bit of Spanish, you know, how to say please and thank you and may I 
and ask them questions and comment on their gardens or their cats, then you're not just somebody who's passing through. You're becoming part of the fabric of the Camino. And I think that's one of the things that makes the difference. You're no longer a tourist. You are actually a pilgrim. And being a pilgrim means that you're from away. You know, you're relying on an open door or an outstretched hand or someone that says, Peregrina, Peregrina, aquí, go over here because they know you're lost. (laughs) (laughs) They know who you are. You know, you've got this backpack and you've got your shell hanging (laughs) off the back of it and you're kind of walking around. Aquí, aquí. (laughs) So um, to to treat all of that with a great deal of, of respect and acceptance, then I think it becomes a real pilgrimage. It becomes a pilgrimage of yourself. You know, who am I? What do I want to become? What are the stories I'm telling myself? What are the stories that I'm going to let go of? And you've also brought something to the Camino, to the, to the experience of the other people whose paths you cross. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that story. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you just launched your podcast, Stories from Women Who Walk. And can you tell us more about why you started that journey and what people can expect to hear on your podcast? I didn't go looking for podcasting. Podcasting came looking for me. I was minding my own business. I had a house that I bought that um, needed a great deal of work that I didn't anticipate. I was putting all that together And a friend said, you know, if you've got a few minutes, you might want to dive back into Seth Godin's blogs because he might have some good things for you to think about as you figure out the next chapter of your life. And what it was, was a podcasting, the TPF4. So I thought, oh, that sounds like kind of fun. I'll just do that. Well, you don't just do an akimbo (laughs) workshop. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) No, you know well, Heidi, it's workshop. (laughs) And when this came along, they started asking me questions. Well, what's your intention? What's the name of your podcast? Who are you doing this for? What kind of ruckus are you going to create in the world? Like, I wasn't prepared to answer those questions. But what were you going to do? Quit? It was like the Camino all over again. You had to get up, you had to answer the questions, and you had to keep on moving. And so I thought, well, I like walking. I like women as walking companions and friends, colleagues, and I like stories. So, okay, I'll call it Stories from Women Who Walk. And I thought that was the end of it. And that was just the beginning. I believe through 30 years of listening stories out of people in many different settings, as a nurse, as a lawyer, as a businesswoman, as a professor, as a storyteller, I believe that we are storytelling machines. We hear stories. We shape our lives around stories. We tell ourselves stories. And now look at this. We've got, you know, This American Life. We've got the Moth Radio Hour. And podcasts are nothing more than stories. And there's like 800,000 of them out there. But each one sounds a little different because each podcaster is like a musician who's rearranging notes you know, in, you've only got so many notes, but how many songs are out there? So with my podcast, because I like hearing stories and telling stories and podcasting allows me to do that. And it allows me to give voice 
to the stories like you're doing with yours. You're giving voice to the people who come and sit with you and talk with you. So the deeper I got into this and realized this is not just a fun and game thing. This is for real now. I had to step back because when I was done with the course, I realized that I had a tool, but I didn't quite know how to use it. And so I had to have a real come to Jesus talk with myself about, all right, now what are you going to do, Walker woman? And out of that was born the idea of engaged storyism. Because in my experience, there's traditional storytelling, traditional techniques, traditional skills. And then there is what the corporate world has kind of co-opted as story. And it's kind of beaten story down to within an inch of its life. And I'm thinking, no, let's bring it back. Let's talk about how story is used to bring about political and social change. Because the beauty of a story is that whoever listens to the story, they get the message of the story for reasons that are true to them. You don't have to beat them over the head with the message. Story is a powerful persuader. And the more I recognized that a podcast is a place of getting a story out into the world, the more I realized, my goodness, this is a way to build a culture of belonging, to shift awareness about planet Earth to protection and sustainability, to encourage our moral evolution to catch up with our industrial and our economic evolution. So what can you expect on the podcast? My goodness. What I hope is that we'll have authentic stories of hope, imagination, defeat, adversity, bravery, all from women who are walking their lives while their lives have walked them. Um, we'll have bonus episodes in there because there's a couple of guys that I've interviewed. And I really love their story. So we'll intersect, you'll intersect that. But the most important thing that I want people to remember is that you remember a story because of the way it makes you feel. And what I want is to help people not only feel better in their everyday lives because of a story that they heard on stories from women who walk, but I want to give them the tools to write new stories for themselves, to write sequels to their stories so that they become storytellers in their own right, in their own community, for their own businesses. And I think even more important during these times, and uh, I was just thinking too about during these times, walking is one of the few things that we can do since we're not allowed to go to a lot of places. Uh, a lot of people are getting out and walking more. Can you talk more about um, how people can use this time in a meaningful way? Several ways. If you're walking by yourself, try to walk mindfully and breathe deeply as you're out there. Look around at an area that might be familiar to you because it's your neighborhood or it's a local park or maybe it's a trail that you're familiar with. But try to see it from a macro, really big way, down to the micro, keeping in mind that there are no duplicates in nature. So every blade of grass you see, every leaf you see, every tree you see is its own creation. See what sounds different to you what smells different to you, what, you know, how the day feels 
on you, use it as a time of mulling over ideas or letting your creativity kind of run wild, like when you were a child and you were out and exploring and wandering around. Um, If you're walking together, use it perhaps as a time uh, to share what each of you is seeing or experiencing. So often we're afraid of silence and we want to fill up the time together with chatter. Sometimes walking together is really joyful because you get to share the company of another person. Uh, You might get to sort out a difficulty that you're having with them. You can explore ideas together. So beyond just exercise where we leave the house and go, boom, I'm going to walk somewhere. (laughs) Uh, And that's important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's really important. Also, just savor. Savor this time because we were meant to walk. We weren't meant to ride in cars. And because we're in cars so much, we zoom past something. This is a chance to look at your neighborhood, to see something you've never seen before and go, oh, wow. This is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's so neat. I know I've been finding myself walking more during these times. It's not only is it helping with the stress, it is also noticing those things. I was walking past a cactus and there was a bloom on it, one beautiful pink bloom by itself. And I thought, hey, that's kind of like single people. You know, we're okay to bloom by ourselves. And then I shared it in our Facebook group as well to kind of remind people, because I think it is kind of that story told through the the plant. And so I think that's been fun to just notice things, um, walk around and see houses that, you know, have always been two blocks from me, but I never noticed them, the different architecture and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And just, yeah, come back feeling, you know, a lot less anxiety and more connected more connected to the world. So that's so great. Very connected to the world, being part of your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you seen others impacted by walking? Well, certainly there are a lot more people walking in my neighborhood and down the road than I've ever seen before. And I see that they're walking differently. They're walking dogs, surely. But I find that they're more strolling or ambling along than they are moving at a fast clip. It's almost as if they've been released in some way and are looking around at, huh, this is the world. This is nature. As, as if they've been deposited, you know, in another planet. It's funny to watch. It is. Um, now, granted, here in the Pacific Northwest, we've come through our winter months and it's been really cloudy and rainy and we are getting a good stretch of sun and blue skies and everything's in bloom. The cherry and the plum and the daffodils and the crocuses. But I find that when families walk, you might see um, the adult, the parent, point something out to a child. Look or listen. Did you hear that? I find that there is much more freedom to explore and to be aware that we are 
creations walking in creation. There, to me, is very definitely a different spiritual feel Hmm. about this time. And I do follow in the footsteps of Thich Nhat Hanh, who teaches about walking meditation, that as we walk, we're placing our foot one after another on Mother Earth, almost as if we're stroking her face with our hand. There's a very real awareness about the purposefulness of our walking. And if nothing else, this time, I believe, is really giving us the opportunity to do that. I agree. I think even for myself, I could feel like disconnected before this, you know, get up, get in my car, drive to work, go into an office building. Sometimes I would walk the parking lot, but a lot of times I would think about walking the parking lot at lunch or breaks. But, you know, this has been really great to reconnect with nature. And I think that's so, so healing. And I love, I love your point about it's released people. I think that's so, so neat and true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how can people share their stories from walking and keep that experience alive? Well, um, they can subscribe to the podcast. They can listen to my sto- the stories of the guests there, especially um, someone like yourself who will be interviewed and say, hey, I- I'd like to be a guest. This is a story I have to-, to share. I would love to hear from anybody that's got a story Journaling is a beautiful way to keep track. What did you see? What did you hear? How did it make you feel? Who did you encounter? There is a woman that walks my road. So I've lived here about, oh, two years or so now. And I used to watch her walk up and down the road. I called her the Valkyrie. She was beautiful. She's tall and she's blonde and her hair would be flying behind her and she would stride along and I would just look at her and think, wow. And she was the one who got me back out on the, on the road again because I had been so consumed with moving and finding a community and volunteering and figuring my way out. And I kept watching her and thinking, I, I got to do this. And one day, okay, I, you know, I'm getting myself back out there again and I see her coming toward me. And I yell across the road, hey, hey. And I walk over and I introduce myself and I said, hey, I've been, you know, seeing you walk. And people in my community know her and they say, oh, she's been walking for years. And she was explaining to me that it's her happy place. It's where she finds herself, you know, content and satisfied and confident. So I would say, share your experience of walking. And I know that right now with all of our body distancing, we might not be able to ask a neighbor, hey, would you like to go for a walk with me? But you can certainly do that in the not too distant future. And share if you take pictures with your cell phone, which is probably one of the best cameras going, share it on Instagram. I get an email every day from a photographer here on the island. It's called Bird a Day. And every day we get a picture of a bird. It might just be a finch, you know, but he says, okay, this is a house finch or a male yada yada or a duck. And I shot the picture at such and such a place. And so he's reminding us 
of the feathered creatures that share Whidbey Island with us. So, so journal, so tell people where you're walking. Uh, somebody just shared um, a hidden beach location with me. You know, post it, Facebook it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> hey, I'm walking. How about you? Where and when yeah. we, when we can connect, how can we walk together? Mm-hmm. That's so great. It's so cute. In the mornings, there's uh, these two women who they walk in front of my house and there's, they're not together because of the social distancing, but there's sidewalks that are about 20 feet apart in our community. And so they're each on the sidewalk and they're having their little conversation across the way. And it just, it makes me smile every morning. Cause I'll like open up the window and just watch them walk by. And I'm like, that's so neat that they found a way to still have their connection and their, their walks. So oh, yeah. So <laughs> especially now, especially, yeah. yes, keeping in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is there anything I haven't asked that you want to share or any message that you want to leave with the audience? Tell your stories. Do your walking. If the opportunity comes up to go somewhere you've never been before, even if you're a Stoy solo, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it because you just never know. And treat this time like you were a child when you could run with scissors, drink out of the (laughs) garden hose, you know, put sticks in a creek. Go back to that place because we have it right now to enjoy. Yeah, that's what I would say. Be that, be that little person inside, be that little human again. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories today and check out the show notes. I'll have all the links to the podcast and more information about Diane. And uh, I think I'm going to get ready to go for a walk now because I feel very inspired. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it was a delight, Heidi. Thank you for sharing me with your listeners. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Single Soul Circle podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest, email me at singlesoulcircle at gmail.com and be sure to check out our blog at singlesoulcircle.com. 